Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Liberty Squadron Podcast. My name is Andrew Lewinsky and this week I am joined with Jonathan Lee. Hello everyone. Chris Apple. What's up? And Brett Freeman. Hey guys. Alright guys, so we are back from PAX. We are done. We took a little bit of a rester and we are here recording the episode. So we're going to give you our PAX recap, talk a little bit about what our thoughts are and go from there. So, first, right up off the bat, we're going to do our shout-outs. First, I would like to congratulate Marcelo. Dude, you had a great showing. I know you couldn't go to the main event, but you went to the qualifier, and you went 4-1. and one. You were at 4-0, and oh, and then that last round, uh, you had a tough break, but um, almost had it. Uh, but congratulations on your run there. Great job. I think he was playing against a friend of his as well in that in that yeah, game. Yeah, that's what I, um, I I think I heard I, I played his friend uh, Worlds and they're so they're both very good players. I mean, they deserve to be at that spot. Um, but uh, and I I know Marcelo was flying a Jedi Ace list. Yeah, it was uh, t- like two regen Jedi and a regen uh, Rick, right? Right. Um, but he ended up in a mirror, I think, in that final game, something close to a mirror. So right. Either way, yeah, Marcelo is a good player and kind of one of the better members of our community so it's it's uh it's cool to see him have some success definitely um so then we have graham perner who was also a four and one and then ended up losing to marcel on stream marcel was a great player i played him in the uh throughout the day too and he flew his list like almost flawlessly so uh it, it was a very tough matchup for graham but uh it, it was a hell of a showing on his part so congrats to graham uh, also, and he got he got a VCX on stream, right? So he's he running. He's been running Luke Cara Braylon for a while, right? Like this has just been like the list he's been practicing. So it was really kind of hyped for him to be that close to cut actually on the on day one, right? Um, I think it's the best he's ever done in a major tournament. So that huge shout out to Graham. Definitely, uh, Matt Chuang, four and two, went top thirty two. So good job, man. I know you've been playing those. Uh, inquisitors for quite some time and at the very last second they took that list away from you and you just you, you know you still made it work it went four and two but uh awesome job there um i didn't i didn't actually get to see any of his games but um yeah definitely awesome job i know you've come a long way i think this is like your one year anniversary almost of playing uh x-wing so look at the look at the road you've come um and then we have, you know, D. Yoon came out from the Fly Better podcast, Salami Cat, whatever they're called now. Uh, he was the marshal of the tournament, ran the event almost flawlessly. Like, it, it was so well run. Um, he had a bunch of decent judges with him. Brent Wong was there. Chris uh, Allen was judging. So, like, there was literally, I don't think, any problems throughout the entire day. Like, and if there were any problems, they made sure that it was fixed flawlessly and it was like super well run so thanks for coming out guys like you know and doing the event for us uh, i think we had a bit i think the number was 102 players when the day started because uh, there was 51 tables so um a solid show i'm showing i know last year it was a little bit more because it was the first big event of second edition so uh, again i know that's also you need to get that con badge to get in so but like I said, it was a decent showing. I want to thank everyone for coming out. And um, any other shout-outs you guys want to do? Yeah, so thought, oh, go ahead. I was just going to – I thought uh, Yeti Games also did a really great job um, running things. I, I was a little skeptical just because Cascade had been, uh, you know, perfect, I thought. And Yeti really did a good job and seemed to, to really want to make the event go smoothly for everyone and make sure everyone had a good time. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad that they're going to be running things moving forward. 
best coast pairings was perfect. No. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, no, Yeti did an awesome job. Um, like I said, this is their first X-Wing event that they have done. And I was a little skeptical too, but uh, they, they definitely ran everything smoothly with the short notice that we got from FFG. So good on them for doing that. Uh, Jonathan, you had something? I wanted to give a shout out to some of our listeners that I met at the event, uh, specifically Ryan, who lives in South Philly, and um, Baron, Chris, Tom, and Keith. And I think they had another friend whose name I forget right now, I'm sorry, who listened to us and are from New Jersey. So I wanted to give those guys a shout out. And also, uh, the Midwest Scrubcast shouted us out on their last episode. So we are in this strange circular shout out feedback loop right now. So uh, I just wanted to shout Time them out. out too. Well, we should talk about this off the show, show, but we had this crazy idea, Midwest Scrub Podcast. We want to pit you guys against one of our finest rules lawyers, one of our greatest uh, players on the show. So get in touch with us and we want to work something out with you guys. Um, all right, but any other shout outs before we move on? No, all right. Uh, so we want to go into the weekend overview. Um, who wants to who wants to go first? Who wants to get their thoughts off the uh, weekend? Chris, how about you? You're quiet. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, it was it was. I didn't play Dash work three times, so I had fun. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was a good start. Yeah. I mean, it was an improvement over last year for me from that perspective. Um, I just you know I, I definitely had a good day. Uh, one was pretty close to the cut, which was fun, and I ended up kind of switching from what I've been running the past couple of months, ran trip aces. And that was at the end of a point cycle, I think I end up running like more and more meta things or, or definitely better optimized things. So that ended up being the right call for me because every game I played, I was in um, my list didn't hold me back at all in any way. Right. So that made the day fun. Um, but overall, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a good, uh, Good, good Friday, and then the the Saturday event was fun because after getting those Inferno dials, I I ran Sinter Inferno Swarm, um, which is probably the most fun that I had from the weekend, and most likely what I'll be running until we get new points. Cool, uh, Brett. How about you? Let, let, let me hear about your weekend. I I mean I had a a very good time. Um, I ended up going four and two, so I I felt like I was you know in it all day I, I was in every game except for the one against marcel manzano who just for the second time now completely dismantled me and made me cheer when i got half points um so you know i i guess i had that going on um but i yeah i, I thought it was a, a very well-run event and everyone seemed to be having fun um there were a lot of jedi kind of like what we predicted um and people were pretty annoyed seeing Jedi lining up against them whenever I would play with them. But, um, you know, besides me bringing the negative play experience, I guess, uh, I, I thought it was a fun weekend. Um, and I'm just going to be excited to put Jedi aside for a while and not have to do anything competitive. <laughs> hey, so, so Andrew, do we want to kind of get into some of the stuff that we learned as we went through? Yeah, or? absolutely. Okay. So, so yeah. Brett, did I, you've been running those Jedi so much, right? So, are you at the point where there's nothing left to really figure out about the list, or did you did you find some new layer to Jedi at this final tournament? I, I didn't find any new layer to them. Um, I think that at least the the variant that I'm running is a, a solid four and two squad that needs to probably get lucky to get five wins. So maybe that's the the one thing I learned was that I, I probably should have just brought 
something a little different. I mean, not not huge tweaks, but I've I was doing the the OB regen or sorry CLT OB with sense flow regen and and mace with regen, and I probably should have just had uh, OB plow and Luminara with chopper. Uh, yep. There were a couple variants there, and uh, I, I did actually beat one of that that list, um, but. Uh, I think that was just more my familiarity with Jedi giving me kind of a an edge that a lot of other players didn't have probably against it. But I think that's probably the strongest variant right now of the, the triple Jedi. Sure. And then anything about an opponent's list that you got from the weekend? Or... Uh, so I didn't let Marcel Manzano get off advanced proton torpedoes <laughs> because of, of, of epic range control. So that was the highlight. Um, but uh, Braylon's really good. That that's my my takeaway. Those stupid rerolls. He just will always live one or turn two turns too many, uh, and it it sucks when it happens. Yeah, fair. Um, I guess it just I'll I'll kind of rip through the two things that I kind of figured out. Right. So as far as my list, I was running Procket Vader with passive sensors and afterburners, and then uh, Predator Suntier, and then Procket uh, Grand Inquisitor. So the thing I definitely figured out is that proton rockets are not that hard to use at high initiative. Um, pretty much used them like every game, and they mattered a lot. Uh, list would have been better with a 14 point bid for sure, but it like didn't really matter because I had two i sixes. Um, so that was that was kind of interesting, especially the interaction between passive sensors and proton rockets on Vader. It kind of doubles the size of that. Uh, uh, basically that bullseye arc um, and you can you can pretty much trap people without having to think that hard um, so that, that's an interaction that like depending on how they cost proton rockets going forward if those go down to like five points I, they're definitely on my radar because they're right on that edge of being useful right now um, and then you, you, the other thing I that was pretty clear about basically just this archetype in general is that you can kind of take trip ace lists and run them closer to 200 points and still do really well. So what that's something that I expect to kind of prove out after the points change, which is that a bunch of trip ace lists are going to go closer to 200. People are going to kind of gripe about it and maybe drop the lists and end up right back where they started when they realize that 197 point or 198 point trip Jedi or trip Empire aces list is still really, really good. So I, that's that was my main takeaway from the weekend as far as my list. Yeah, one one other thing, which was just against opponents' lists, I played against Ben Keller's uh, Obi Plo Luminara list, which Brett was just referring to. Um, and as good as Chopper is, it turns out that if Vader can take infinite actions, it's like okay. So that that was an interesting dynamic, right? Which was like worrying about Chopper, but then just kind of keeping Vader close to Chopper, so it was mostly fine. He doesn't like losing like some of his tokens, but it's it's less problematic than it would be for pretty much any other ship. So performing more actions is good. Yeah, well, particularly <laughs> when you're getting jammed. Sure. <laughs> so it's I mean, not highly not insightful. But... I mean, I'm sure performing more actions is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you get the idea, right? Which is yeah, that absolutely. if people are playing against Chopper, I don't think Chopper's going to go away. Like, Vader's actually a pretty reasonable way to deal with that, and you can just make sure that Chopper can only do that particular thing to Vader. Um, so, yeah. So basically what happens is you're trading a four, like you're getting jammed a force in that matchup, right? Yeah, like it's like a force strain. It, that's what it feels like. You, you, uh -huh. you end up, um, you know, just you, you kind of have to burn more actions, right, to, to deal with it. Um, and then, But, it, you know, ultimately it's also sort of interesting having two I6s against, uh, you know, I5 aces. Um, it doesn't matter what your bid is, right? So 
I really do mean what I was saying, which is that like the point the point adjustment is going to push a bunch of aces, strip aces up to 200 points. It's not going to matter. They're still going to be really, really good. So I, I see that, and, and I think it, that happens a lot. Like I mean, I think in the past two points adjustments we've had, there's been lists that kind of get pu- pushed up to 200. And, and do you think that we're going to find um, lists that are still going to try to bid as deep as possible, or do you think that yeah. maybe in the end game FFG really wants to dis you know dismantle that bid by pushing those ships up to the 200 threshold? I really don't know the answer because if you look at if you look at Republican Empire, right? Like Republic's like Anakin Obi Plo list that Zach destroyed all of us with at top deck when going six zero a little while back. No regen, just R two A six on on Anakin. Like you can run that list well below one hundred and eighty five points, right? Like it, it's it's got a huge bid already. Um, I think that runs at one hundred and eighty one. If you just do Annie Ob Plo, it's, and Annie has seven B, right? And then if you look at the Empire version, you can run Vader with Afterburners, right, as the only upgrade. Suntier and Grand Inquisitor. That's running at one hundred and seventy eight points. So realistically, like my list that I brought to packs over the weekend with Prockets and Passive Sensors and Predator, I could have just deleted all of those upgrades, run at 178 points, and been just as well suited to make cut. So like, obviously Passive Sensors helps, but like I'm not I'm not really exaggerating there. So I don't. There's so much room in these lists. I don't know how aggressive they'll be. You'll still be able to bid most likely, right? Because yeah. there's just so much room. Like you can compromise on 7B versus CLT. Um, and just not take a bunch of upgrades on the Empire list. The the bid finds a way. It the bid finds a way, and then even if it's not there, two I sixes, it doesn't really matter, right? Like, I mean, it matters, of course, it matters, but like, it's still going to be a functional archetype. Um, so yeah, I, that's a like a lot a long winded way of saying that I learned that trip bases are good, and they'll probably still be good in January. Yeah, definitely. I, I think trip bases are probably never going to go away in the game. Someone will find a way to figure it out and always bring it back. Um, and his name is Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like the way that it, the, what would happen, right, is you would push it away from trip aces to double aces and an I four thing, right, or double aces and a support thing, which is still a historically pretty good archetype. Um, but that, that's you know, if they really get aggressive, what'll happen is I can't take Grand Inquisitor in my list, right? Um, that's the kind of thing. Or like maybe it's so bad that you can't even take Vader and Suntir in a list, which is would be shocking. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's. Brett, you've been running trip aces for a while, right? And like, I always run them on the side. I just haven't been taking to them tournaments of late. Um, and it's, you know, it's it is a nice, refreshing thing to do after however many months of, you know, running mixed initiative lists. Um, I would recommend it to people, right, to like actually try this stuff because <laughs> oh, definitely, it's good. <laughs> it's really good, and it just teaches you a lot about patience, which is so important in this game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with the Prockets, kind of. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, with the Prockets, it's like, I'm in your face and you're just gone. But <laughs> Right, and then I'm patient after that. <laughs> but it, but it's, you know, whatever it is, like, it's, it's. Uh, I think it, it really shows that people should try many different archetypes, get used to it, right? And, like, I uh, and, and learn it. Um, Andrew, you've been generally pretty good about that, right? Where you run a lot of scum lists, but every now and then you'll run, like, some random Empire Aces list. Um yeah. And it just prepares you for point changes, right? And I, I, I know it's basically one of my like practice mechanics where I try to try to like throw things on the table that um, 
that I know are good, even though it might not be my style of play or anything, but it's kind of like it's good to learn those lists and understand why those lists are good because it'll help you better understand on how to beat it. So I, every once in a while I do throw that on. I mean, right before this, when we were um, thought it was extended, I was heavily contemplating bringing like a empire list but then i wasn't sure what my situation was going to be so i was just going to do something fun but yeah absolutely every once in a while i I do through these throw these things on the table just because a they are fun and b like i said the best way to learn it is to actually put it on the table and you know when you learn the list you know its strengths and weaknesses right and then it gives you a really good perspective from like a design point of view like of how this stuff works and what its limitations are so that like it's not just always like here's my archetype and what my archetype loses to and i feel bad about everything it loses to you know what i mean like you kind of have a better perception of sort of what what matchups look like right um so i i like i know trip aces need to go way up in cost but there's still a place for them and where they'll be effective right it's closer to 200 and that's that's pretty much it right like it you need to eliminate I, I jousted things I shouldn't have this weekend, right? Because I had 14 points of prockets, right? Get rid of that difference, and I think we have a game. Sure. So, Jonathan, you were about to say something? Uh, yeah, so this weekend, I went 3-3 three and three this weekend, and my three losses were actually all triple-ace <laughs> <all triple ace laughs> lists. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had flown, I flew Lando with Nyen Nam, Braylon with Crackshot, and Luke. And my losses were to Josh Benjamin's Triple Jedi, where he was just able to cycle the Jedi perfectly. And I I feel like I made always made the correct targeting decision, but in the end, the correct decision at the moment led to me spreading damage all over yep. the place that he was able to just regen back. Right. And then I lost to Kyle Eggers' triple Imperial. And what had happened in that game is I ended up with a soon... Uh, I had Luke, a full health Luke versus a full health soon tier as the last two ships left with like 10 15 minutes to go and uh luke could he could not escape and he could not outmaneuver and uh and luke died and then i lost to another uh triple jedi list so uh, yeah so those those jedi are definitely very good and those uh double reposition i6 aces yeah absolutely so i mean like like where we're headed right is in january everyone is kind of looking very closely as to whether or not ffg will take that seriously and and you know cost these things a little bit more aggressively right and it's not it's not that that means they're not going to be playable archetypes but it, it should mean that you know they're they're struggling a little bit more to deal with you know what look like more efficient lists right on paper um and then that's that's kind of what I'm hoping to see. I uh, but there's so much breathing room, right? Like like your list would struggle against a 200 point Vader soon tier Grand Inquisitor, right? Like the initiative still matters. You mm-hmm. have three I you have two I fives and a four. That's rocking two sixes and a five. It, like the, arguably that list is better off with more points invested, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I found the uh, the I sixes were challenging. I think that. Um... That being said, I think I did it like with Lando and his really broad, like those side arcs are really big. Yeah. And um, being able to give actions to Braylon and Luke, like a surprise barrel roll before uh, before they move, let me like put them into 
places where people ne weren't necessarily expecting. So I do have some tools there. And I do think sure. two of my, Josh, I, I could not, if I played Josh 10 times, I would lose like eight times and he would have won twice. The other games, I feel like if we did them again or if we replayed, I mean, those were winnable uh, and they were close. Yep. But, um, but yeah, I, uh, it was definitely challenging. Uh, and then the other three games I won, they were against uh, Ryan Becker's Scum List with Boba Fenn and uh, Josh Taylor's four generic T70s. And I played somebody. Oh, and then uh, Stephen Stephen um, Wayland, Vader Inferno Swarm, Inferno Squadron. Nice. I played him. Yeah. Uh, he, he, I played him in the qualifier. Actually, um, yeah. he's knocked, he's knocked me out. But uh, so, question for you. I mean, like like you were debating what to bring, right? Ahead of packs and. I think you had asked us in the chat, like, should I bring some beef list or Lando, right? And we all said Lando. Mm -hmm. Like, selfishly, I said Lando because I wanted to hear about how Lando works, right? Like, like Graham locally has been running Lando, so I kind of know. It's range zero to three coordinated and a bunch of craziness. Um, but can you talk about it a little bit? Like, what was what was Lando like? What did you learn about that? Lando, he is really, he's really good. I mean, those side arcs are big, and range three covers a lot of space. And... Um, if you can slip Lando behind the, or you can flank and then get him behind, it really your your oppo the opponent's list, then it puts you in a really strong position to win. And even with the boost being red, you know, with all the you're doing blues basically all the time, lots of three banks and such. And um, even with the boost being red, it wasn't such a big deal. So a lot of time, I would either if Lando was safe, he would uh, like focus target lock. If I needed to move one of my other guys, he would do a blue move, and then he'd make he would make Luke barrel roll or something before Luke moved. And if um, if he needed to move, then I would if he was in danger, then he would just you know go three straight or three bank, do a focus, and then boost. And then like you're constantly worried about him getting blocked, right? Because if he does get blocked, it kind of negates his party trick, right? Which yes. is the crazy ranged coordinate. So, so like, did that come into play? Did you get blocked a lot or no? In just actually, just in my last game, I had a lot of blocks. Sometimes, like, you end up on this trajectory where you're sort of facing. I mean, ideally, he's going to fly around on the outside and use his side arcs. But sometimes you end up in a position where you're rotating your arc and you're yeah. like in that game, I was I ended up I was facing towards my opponent and then so I rotated the arc forward and got a couple of shots off that way, but then I ended up blocked and couldn't get past. But uh, so I guess the knowing when to rotate and when not to, I mean, I guess against Steven and his Inferno Swarm, there was a time I was actually brought Lando around. I rotated to the front and I, it, that actually worked out well just based on where the ships were. But in that matchup, uh, his swarm was broken. He had placed his ties in the center of the board um, and by doing that, I guess normally you expect people to line up their block in one of the corners, but when he put it in the center, he sort of cuts the board in half, if that makes sense. And sort of like maybe trying to pin you to one side or the other, so you can't escape, but there were too many rocks and he didn't have a good lane. So he had to break up his swarm. And that's how I was able to like pick off his ships by focus firing them down. So with Lando, right, the I think what's interesting is it sort of gets around some of the red actions because he's 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 able to kind of rotate a little bit more freely than a normal YT, right? Um, 
like that's like that's genuinely different is that he's actually using his rotate action a little more often right yeah um because it's just like not having to choose between a focus and a rotate is a nice trick right where you can you can take the focus and then rotate that type of stuff exactly so like there'd be time he'd be disengaging and then i'd have to decide do i rotate backwards and focus to get a shot right now or yeah. i could you know um, like target lock and then boost and not get a shot this turn, but then next turn bring him around. So there yep. are a lot of decisions. He's like, like a, that. he's like a giant charismatic version of like Greer, right? Like everyone talks about Greer, <laughs> the RC, R, RZ2, like the, the, yeah. the R, like the resistance uh, A wing. Like Lando's kind of doing the same thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah, he could always focus. Yeah. The and the ability to barrel roll Luke actually is really huge against. On the second day, I played Zach, um, the Salami Cat Gang leader, Bart. On uh, <laughs> so I played, I played him, and he was playing um, Suntier. So this is extended because it was the second day. So he was playing Suntier, two Inquisitors, and Jendon, and he had concussion missiles uh, and such. And I was in the situation where his guys were coming down on Braylon, and then I was bringing Luke around, and then. I had to decide how aggressive to be with Luke. And then I just dialed in a four straight. And knowing that I, with Lando, I could barrel roll Luke to either side of the of an obstacle. Are you like, sure you're not an Aces player, John? You always say you're like a Rebel Beef player. I don't believe you. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, you can ask Andrew when I play Aces. Andrew, what do I do when I play Aces? He just Aces, but he plays his beef more AC than... Uh... So it's a nice little hybrid. <laughs> I guess you don't play aces, right? No. Well, what happens is I I always am afraid. Like when I don't get shots, I'm afraid of ships getting isolated by themselves, and I really value time on target. So I get like antsy if a ship isn't shooting. So I tend to maybe engage too aggressively with like. Um, You'd be a great aces player. Yeah. What are you talking about? I, aces joust now, man. You don't have to think about <laughs> that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, uh, oh, so what I did, he ended up turning, Zach turned all his ships on Luke, but then I had Lando do a blue move. I had Luke barrel roll to the side, four straight through. He forced, I four straighted through an asteroid, but I dodged three. I didn't have a shot afterwards, but I dodged uh, three arcs. You know, that's, that's cool. I used to run a Luke, um, like Luke with three U's list and mm -hmm. it was really fun to coordinate luke like a billion times with three ewings for no reason and just to, just mm -hmm. to see where you'd end up <laughs> that's kind of what you're doing right like you're like you're able to kind of use his foils a little more aggressively too which is neat yeah like so i always start with the foils um closed so just so that because the boosting is so useful at the beginning and then also being able to boost having lando boost luke is huge because it really changes your um, trajectory, you know, on where you're going, uh, especially on like turnaround moves and such, which can really catch your opponent off guard. And then I've taken to I I always put my S foils token on my dial, so I always see it there, and I'm like, okay, do I want it open? Do I want it closed? Uh, so I always remember because I used to always forget. That's a good one. Um... I'm I'm curious as to where that your list in particular will end up in January because I know that Lando will, like he's not going to go up in cost right he might go down slightly Braylon will go up maybe 
right? We don't know. He's already gone up once, so they might not touch him. Um, so like this archetype of Luke Lando and one other thing, it's it just feels like it it could stick around, right? And maybe kind of survive some some of the changes that happen. Yeah, um, I think it'd be nice to. So I know that um, so Graham, uh, local local hero Graham, uh, he had uh, Luke, Braylon, and Hera. It gave him a little bit of extra room to put some. He had regen on Luke, so he had some room to put some toys onto Luke. So I don't know. Braylon's a great piece. It would be a shame to. I guess you could downgrade Braylon to put more on Luke, but um, I don't know. I think it works really well right now. Right, it works. It works well. But if Braylon gets priced out of the list, you could always take Jake and just coordinate more. Yeah, (laughs) you know what I mean. Um, And like, I don't know. Like that that list would still probably be functional. People are so down on Luke for some reason, right? And I think it's just because like there are like older, better Jedi running around. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know, once we get Jedi nerfed, potentially Luke might look a lot better. You know, I did not realize how good he was until this, yeah. the last couple weeks. He has like it's it's really weird when you like find out that Luke can be as tanky and durable as Tabson, right? Yeah. Like that that is a, again, especially against two dice shots, it can be kind of a bizarre situation where it's just this little X wing, right? But it's it can be crazy durable. So on the second day, when it was extended, I ran. I the one change I made to the list is I put Jin Urso on Lando. Yeah, um, nice. Two points, right? Yeah, two points. I had to drop the crack shot on Braylon, but then I was able to like have Luke uh, focus and turn that into an evade. So he'd have his force, and then he'd have the evade. So he's like a mini Inquisitor. Sure. He never yeah. gives damage. Yeah. Like it's just. Like, <laughs> Does, isn't it Cooper locally that was running for a while? He'd run like a stealth device, Luke with Jin on a hawk, or like, and I think that was his list. Maybe just, like the unkillable Luke. He'd have to if it was Cooper. There's Sabine in there somewhere. There was, I think, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, well, that's cool though. I, I think I guess you learned some stuff about Lando. That was like the whole point, right? So it's. That's yeah, cool. like the res- the Rebel YT thirteen hundred is uh, perfectly good. Yeah, it feels like yeah. they finally got the cost like almost correct. So like maybe Lando will go a little bit down, right? But like they're both usable. You see them in lists, mm-hmm. and then it's just going to be important to see like the rest of the other factions get balanced a bit. And I bet they show up more. Mm-hmm. So the comparison to Hera is an interesting one because it's sort of like you can kind of choose between Luke Tabson and Braylon, or you can choose between like like Luke and a like a real Falcon and something else. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like a neat little archetype difference that that's going on there. Because Hera is so much more direct, right? Like it's just you're either deleting points with Hera and getting value out of that, or you're not, and the game ends, <laughs> right? We're we're like Lando's like a little got a little more flexibility to arc dodge and do some things we're describing. Like Lando can be like I had never. So I think I've said on previous episodes, like only recently have I only this year have I really started paying attention to like. How many points are on the board? What do I need to kill to do that? Mm-hmm. And how many, what ship needs to survive to the end game? I had never thought about that previously. I used to just be like, kill the opponent. Sure. But like Lando, if he's the last ship alive, he can um, he can be an end game ship. Whereas I think Hera has a harder time. If, if you guys haven't used the app High Ground, you definitely should download it and use it like as much as you, they allow you to. The point app? Um, yeah, it's yeah. so helpful. Basically, all it is is you just like type in the names of the ships in your list, the name of the ships in your opponent's list, the total points. And then as you play, you can tap half points or fully destroyed. I do and, want to interrupt you, just, you guys real quick. Yeah, go ahead, Andrew. The um, FFG actually supplied like cards for the system open for you to write your points down yep. um, for your opponents. Like, 
super helpful. Like contrary to what they did at Worlds, that you said they said you couldn't reference the points or anything, but they actually supplied cards beforehand to so you could reference all this stuff um, ahead of time. So I want to give kudos to FFG on that. It was super helpful throughout the day. Like in the middle of a match, having to reference points somewhere. Yeah, totally. But also like this high ground app, I. Ideally, everyone starts using it because not having to do any math at all on what the points are as they're happening is it makes it the game so much more enjoyable. Meaning, like just just being able to tap the screen and then both players know, and it has to be both players, but both players know exactly what the board state is immediately. God, it just makes the game experience so much more coherent than it is normally, where no one knows what the hell's happening. Even if you know what half points is, no one adds it up, right? Launch Bay Next does the same thing too, um, and there you sure. can just you know import both lists with a QR code, so then you don't even have to type anything else. Yeah, definitely. Like I'm just like super enthusiastic about this because I, I just I think it's half points has been great, but half points has also kind of sucked because it it makes a little bit of the game that normally is just you thinking about the game like a couple extra de- extra decisions that you have to think through and. I don't know. It's just it's, it's just the, it simplifies things for you and your opponent. I hope it's it's more common next year. I know going into packs, I said I was going to be running something super janky, and I was able to put it on the table twice. And it started out as a boba dengar, and it was a lot of fun. It was you know a, a souped up boba with or a dengar with proton torps, no title just uh, l3 crew and uh han solo gunner and i scrapped it at the last second because oh, i didn't have enough reps with it and i just wanted to have fun so i put my favorite list of four fangs on the table and ended up going four and two with it so it was a lot of fun all my opponents were super wholesome and super awesome the entire day um so that was my story what things that i learned about this list though it, right off the bat i'm gonna say Defensive mods are awesome. Like, there's nothing more to it. If you can find some kind of defensive mods that like are, are cost efficient, I would absolutely throw it on there. And unfortunately, you know, it, it's harder to do outside of Fang Fighters because they have it built in. But the only downside to this list is that if they don't have any offensive mods, like Fen Rao does not have the offensive mods he wants. You know, he's chucking five dice and just hoping for the best. And you know these guys are generally have mods because if they're you know aren't being shot at or if they get to save their focus, they have that mod for uh, for the attack phase. But um, other than that, like like I said, I, I think this so, is one of my favorite lists to fly. Andrew, yeah. can, can we pause there? So like what you just said is kind of loops back to what we were talking about with the trip aces, yeah. right? You're running Fen Rao with three Fang Fighters. That fits at exactly 200. You can't take Fearless, right? And because you can't take Fearless, Fen Rao's offensive profile goes way down, right? All that is is a three-point upgrade that completely changes the way that that ace plays, right? Like, that's that's how subtle these changes could be when they get to the point cost, right? If they get those maximums up to basically, like, or like the minimums, rather, of, like, what you can run a trip ace list at, it can dramatically affect the offensive profile, right? To the point where you just can't, it's not that reliable. Right, and, and that's that's exactly one of these things that I'm looking for, is if if they drop these Fang Fighters at all in uh, January, like, just being able to, like, put, either, I don't even care if it's Predator or Crackshot on Fen, um, mm-hmm. just getting that little bit of extra offensive mod, like, it's going to be huge for this list. 
Um, and like it, these ships kind of like they kind of like the three fangs, the I one fang, kind of like almost form their own ship because they kind of the way I fly them at least they fly together, and um, like like they can take hits at the same time where Fen kind of like does his thing, but at the same time Fen can kind of also sit in the middle with these things. Yeah, but, so yeah, it just got to press on that a little bit, right? So like, what, are you running the three fangs as sort of like? a screen or are they engaging first and Fen sometimes engages with them? Like it, I help oh, talk me through it. Right. Okay. Like, so it really depends on the uh, matchup that I, you know, up, up against if I am, which I should have did is when I went up against aces, I should have absolutely kind of kept them all together to be like, um, you need to f- attack every, all these things. If you're going to play the game or, um, or on the vice versa or like, so I've played Phil Koresh, I believe that's how you say his last name. Um, I kind of like did the opposite, where the four or three of the Fangs were able to go out on their own and basically like bring the fight to the five SFs. And um, luckily enough, he brought a Gaius Cloud for me. So Fen kind of, for lack of a better term, fortress behind the Gaius Cloud, being like. I'm going to sit here until I know what your SFs are going to do, and I'm just going to shoot in with these three Fang Fighters. Now, when I don't have the advantage on something like a um, Aces list or something that like basically generally wants to hit and run, like that's kind of the opportunity that I I almost use them as like a turret because they're not going to be you know the aces are gonna have so many options to get out of arcs that i if i can take a shot i have to take it so it's like i kind of set them up to be like a turret where i set up as many possible arcs as you know as that i can and hope for the best so so like all the fang fighters want to be range one right like that's what they want so you can't run it like in a layered kind of approach of like you know it's a wall really or it's converging to range one is pretty much how I would think it works, right? Right. Because you, you like you, you're not going to have like two Fang fighters out front and one behind. You want them all range one for the kind of first. So okay, um, <laughs> is that true, or is there something else going on? Yeah. Yes and no. It really depends on the matchup. So like with the SF matchup, I was able to shoot in two of the Fang fighters, but at the same time, I knew it was going to be real easy for him just to five straight out and. And get behind you. And get behind and me. So it was just like stuff. So I, I I was able to shoot two of them in, doing the five forward boost focus, and did a two straight with one of them. That if you know they did do the five straight, I was going to be able to punish, um, sure. whatever ones shot out where and Fen could do whatever he had to do. So it, it's a little bit like um, it, it's a very heavy range control game where you yeah. know you're obviously a lot safer. You basically almost cancel out that. Um, especially with Fen, you cancel out that range one dice automatically. And uh, they are a little bit safer at range three, but they're absolutely 100% more safe at uh, range one. So it, it is sure. a very heavy range control game. Um, so just just yeah. to give a little bit of a counter to this, right? Like I played against the same list, right? And I I had soon tier. So with soon tier, I stayed in like permanently at range three, right? behind the ships right i was i was happy to be trading kind of one shot per turn with one sf at range three between soon tier and that one sf so round round all i was doing was chipping away half points with soon tier avoiding being in everything's rear arc right while whatever else was being chased but with the fang fighters you don't have that luxury because it's advanced optics sfs right 
Right. So like if you if you hang out at Range Street, they're just going to annihilate you, right? Like you're not going to be able to do kind of focus evade the, each time for that, right? Right. So um, I, I mean, with <laughs> I think you know it's funny because like they kind of like worked like aces at I one because after that second like so like I got two of them in at range one, the other one was at range three. Um, the next turn I was able to like jam some things up. That very next turn all all of them disengaged like they were able to five forward out <laughs> and i was like i'm not playing this game like i'm just going to get out and i'm going to circle back around and did the same thing over again like where well you didn't want to use your sh- like you, you were you that sounds like what you wanted to do is make sure you could use your ship ability right <laughs> like like you weren't right. opting in to just rear arcs right Which right kind of and like you know like it wasn't like that like i'm gonna turn around and fight you because that's exactly what you wanted me to do so like i just five forwarded out as fast as i could um, you know, there was about like three turns of no combat happening and then like just yeah. re-engage. So, I mean, in the end, it eventually worked out. Um, and it's interesting, dude. I like, I, I'm so curious about Fang Fighters all the time, right? Because as rear arcs get more popular and more accessible and they'll be added to more things within various factions, it just continuously makes it harder to run one of those, right? But if you learn to play around it and disengage properly, like you can kind of figure it out. Um, but it's just, it's such a tricky ship, right? Because it's sort of, most other aces just don't ever think about that. They're not happy about a rear arc, but they're not, like, extra punished by it. Right. And, and like like I said, that's that's part of the thing is, like, uh, uh, at least once per uh, tournament, I always see something with rear arcs, whether it be SFs or the um, RZ2 A-Wings, whatever they're called. And it, I, I don't know, like, I'm disengaging is always an option with them and because they are so fast and can boost and link to that focus you know they're survivable like there's been so many games of these things that like you damage them or you get one damage or two damage on them and then they just don't die for the rest of the game sure that three ability is huge yeah absolutely so i i guess you you alluded to it earlier but do you think it's possible fenral could go down a couple points in january and if so like like even just one point would be pretty, pretty big deal, right? It would, like, it would be huge. I, I could see the other. Um, so like FFG has the five dice premium and Fen yep. suffers from it for good for good reason, right? right? Like and like uh, I was talking about proton rockets. Like it just swings games in like ridiculous ways, right? right? So it's. I mean, like that's a mod in itself. Like you're getting an extra dice. Like so when you add that other mod. Um, it would be huge. I would be shocked if Fen gets a price reduction. I could see the generics and possibly um, maybe not old Terra because he's been performing very well, but uh, Cad Solis and Joey Rekoff getting uh, a pretty hefty reduction. And it, that in itself like, is yep. huge. Everything that happens there affects Boba, right? Because if, like, let's say the Skull Squadrons get cheaper. Um, you start to look at like Boba and Two Fangs again, which is like the original list that everyone built, right? It was the original demo list that Alex was running, I think, way back yeah. when, right? So like generics going down for Fang Fighters would be pretty awesome. I'd, I'd be happy to see that. Right, and I'd even be interested in seeing like if that does happen, just running four of the Skull Squadrons, because they're I-4 to begin with. If you can throw some kind of EPT on them, that's, <laughs> you know, something to look at, so. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. So that's um, that was my um, what I learned about other lists. I would say um, T seventy X wings have one too many hit points, um, <laughs> and 
and Jedi need to go up in price. That's about it. Wow, shocking. Okay, Shocker. so the, fr- the the first one is like okay, but the second one, all right, yeah, okay, we, all, we all agree with you. <laughs> um, That's just my gripe against T seventies. I'm tired of seeing them. Stop flying them. <laughs> Andrew, did you face any uh, Nantex? Nantex? You know, I did not. And I, I did not. And I really wanted to like see how that matchup would be because like I was kind of preparing myself for the Nantex um, swarm. And just seeing how these fangs would like uphold by shooting into range one of them and, and kind of trading off there and then <laughs> figure out what to do with Sunfac at a later point. But um, I, I did not have the opportunity to go up against any Separatist swarms sure. or just Separatists in general. I faced I faced a Nantex, Sunfac, and Maul. It was my first loss on Friday. Um, I, it was it was it played out exactly like I thought that game always does, which is I had a turn where I could win the game and I didn't negotiate that turn properly. So that was it pretty much. Like everything just went downhill. And it, it was, I kind of knew that like if that turn, and I'm not talking about dice, but like if I, if I handled that particular engage the right way, then the game would be an avalanche in one direction or the other. Right. And it, that's, that's kind of what happened. Right. Is I just, I didn't negotiate that particular engage with the, with Sunfac and the game ended. I suspect a lot of the same would happen with the Fang Fighters, because um, it's it's sort of like if Sunfact's moving after Fen Rao, that's not a good situation for Fen Rao, right? Right, and so I had the opportunity to fly Old Terok against Sunfact um, back a while ago, and they can do a good job of outrunning Sunfact, um, especially because they can do the uh, the bank boost where Sunfact can't do that. Um, so I, I would really kind of like to see how that end game would pan out, but I know at the same time, with multiple <laughs> Fang fighters, you mean against Sunfac? What's that? If you had multiple Fang fighters somehow in the end game, yeah, exactly. Sunfag, I that mean, seems like you would be winning. <laughs> like maybe, right? I don't know. Like I, that I, I'm with you. Like if you had more than Old Terok, it's maybe a game, right? Um, I mean, if I had Fen and at least one other uh, Fang fighter, I'd be interested to see how that could pan out. Um, It's something that I'll have to figure out down the road after the points adjustment, if if some facts even relevant after that. It's just like a funny kind of aside, um, because I was running the two Proton Rockets, right? Like I was so used to on Friday of just being like the player that was rolling five dice, right? And like getting to enjoy the the modded five dice. Again, Sunfac, it was like, oh, wait, he just, he he has five dice and he, it's more than one charge. <laughs> so it was just, it was kind of like Grand Inquisitor had a Proton Rocket, but Sunfac had the real Proton Rocket. And that was the end of Grand Inquisitor. Um, so there's a little bit of Fen Rao in Sunfac, right? Where it's just, he's, he's actually, once he gets that bullseye, serious, man. Like it's, it's, and it's modded too, right? Yeah. Um, it, it's modded a little bit, I guess, cause you get the negative one agility. Um, well, yeah, that, and you just, you roll with crack shot and focus, right? Sure. It's some serious stuff. Yeah. Um, again, that five dice primary era tax almost, it, it, it is there, so. Um, but yeah, it, like I said, Fen's in that same boat though. If he gets some kind of mod that he can get there, that, it would be huge in the points adjustment coming up. Um, cool. I, I would be shocked if it happened, but if he can fit in it somehow, it's still it, it's something to look at for sure. Yeah, I mean, congrats on top sixteen with quad fangs at the end of the year, the last <laughs> tournament, end of the point cycle. Like that's cool, right? Like if if 
you probably wouldn't have guessed that that was going to happen at back. So that's I would awesome. I would hope that FFG doesn't look at it and be like, oh, fangs are fine. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I hope that's not the case. I hope <laughs> well, they passed the testing point already. Yeah, they'll just increase everything else. That's yeah, fine. sure. <laughs> um, yeah, but either way, that was cool. I was happy to see you get top sixteen. It's awesome. Um, so if we want to move on to like a quick kind of meta recap, we don't have a lot of data, but we could probably touch on it very briefly. Yeah, right? we've been talking about it, so we can hit it. Um, I looked around the cut, and it was like ultra bases, and then Paul Heaver, and then like one other uh, vulture list. So we got to get the list fortress entries kind of set up and all that data entry done. But I'm pretty sure that's what the cut was. It was just like mostly trip bases and then two or three separatist squads. Um, there was uh, the Wedge Luke AP5 list that knocked me out. Um, so that that made cut and I think lost first round. But uh, yeah, it, it, overall, the meta kind of played out almost exactly as everyone was thinking it might. Um with you know just Jedi Empire and you know the Separatists sort of on top, right? Um, with very few exceptions, to be honest, I don't. I, there wasn't anything that I saw over the weekend that was sort of surprising to me on any of the tables. Um, maybe you guys have a, a different take there, but I didn't see many like new and inventive lists here at the end of the point cycle. No, absolutely. Everything was kind of just like okay, I, I have some experience on what this is. Right. And then the big thing, I think, is that, you know, the switch from extended to hyperspace, everyone was freaking out about. It literally didn't matter, right? Like, Empire just took different, possibly better versions of trip aces that bidded further down, right? And then Duncan was out there running around Afterburner's Duchess. So, like, cool. <laughs> um, like, he was, he just ran a ridiculous bid with the three most mobile things he could kind of fit from the, the hyperspace pool. I get it. I uh, but but overall the archetypes were like they are what we thought they were right it was trip aces and ensnare and some things. Do um, we do we want to talk about uh, like Paul's list or um, I, more specifically because uh, I remember when I saw that Paul did not have a um, tactical relay or a helpful lab. <laughs> that, I mean that surprised me. I mean I've yeah. heard him talk about it since then, so I understand his rationale. I understand. Uh, well, so like, like Chertek, Chertek and Vultures was a, like a thing that was people were aware of, right? Like the the thing that I'd actually seen was sort of like Chertek and Seer and Vultures, right? Yeah, that's what I'd like, seen before. That's what we had seen before, and he just happened to remove Seer, right? Um, and and like it kind of makes perfect sense that he, he we were talking so much about Ace plus Squad. What's so funny about his list is it's like it's like Ace plus actual Swarm, right? Like it's actually a swarm plus like an I four in quotes ace right, um, but it, it was kind of you know like it seemed like a natural evolution of what people were doing with separatists. I still don't think he has the best ensnare list, right? Like that's the, like we're probably not going to have time to find it out. But my guess is that whatever like he just won a major tournament with it. But on paper, honestly, like there's probably a way we could break Sunfac that is much more effective than anything Chertek is doing, and we just haven't gotten there yet. Um, so that so, that was my main kind of take on on his list. On that but. note, like, um, so you you and uh, comparing like Sunfact to Fanrail, a lot of times you see like these the lower initiative things kind of like pop up a little bit more because, again, that that five dice tax like that is on there. Like, I I'm curious if, like, I, I don't know. Like, a lot of times I look at Old Terrak and I'm just like, man, I should probably just be running Old Terrak over Fanrail because sure, I yeah, can. Yeah, yeah. 
I hear you. I hear you. So like in this case, right, it's a turret. It's like a cold-blooded turret, right? Like, and it's got, it doesn't need to go from I6 to I5. It can go straight from 6 to 4 because an I4 turret deck actually has counterplay against aces. Like because of its coverage, it doesn't, it's not as happy to be moving first, but it can sort of do it with a full swarm next to it. So that, that jump that you're describing of sort of like the premium you pay for Sunfac you kind of get some value out of downgrading to 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 church tech. It, it makes sense. Um, I, I I guess my take is just that typically, eventually, someone finds the broken ace thing, um, and that that's sort of that's sort of what we didn't get out of this point cycle for separatists. And I hope I hope FSG is sort of conscious of that that no one actually solved Sunfac. It's not because he's bad. It's just he wasn't solved. That's I really firmly believe that. Right? If we had more time, we'd find it. And we'd move away from true tech potentially. Maybe I, I, I'm I'm still on the fence of it. I mean, again, we will never know. I mean, if if it was like let's say another like four or five months and like another Sunfact, cycle, yeah, and, and Sunfact still kind of just wasn't like overperforming, but wasn't underperforming. Like I, I would definitely sway the one way over the uh, like saying Sunfact is the way to go. Fair, yeah. It's like we'll never really know. This is speculation on my part, right? But I just I know that when players like Paul Heaver and like of that quality put this amount of time into an archetype, they constantly evolve it, right? Like they just keep evolving the mechanic. And let's be clear, they're evolving in snare. It's not anything else. It's not vultures. It's not. It's just in snare. That's the that's the card that they're designing around. So. Well, we won't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, a couple weeks from now, it probably and hopefully won't be. It just won't matter. So, I mean, looking at the separatists, one thing I find interesting, although we sort of categorize like the seer swarm, you know, vulture swarm, they are all actually. They, a lot of them are very different. You know, like in their yeah. upgrades and in their, um, where like Paul decided to put on those by dropping seer he's able to have the three discord missiles to give those to give yep. sort of no-go zones for aces <laughs> and i think the, his rationale not to put words in his mouth but his rationale is like against like the ace matchup is the hardest matchup and in that matchup seer does not help as much as chertak and discord missiles do yeah sure and like like but it, there's another thing right which is like the dedicated separatist players who were not running nantex were running pure seer swarm had all evolved towards discord missiles in the seer swarm with the vultures so it's sort of like it, like that's what's so cool about how the lists evolve is like it i paul i haven't listened to the minec episode where he talked about it but you know, if, if he kind of looked at those lists and just picked the Discord missiles up without having actually learned too much about it himself, like, then that's cool, right? Because it's just that it pairs well. That That's that's like, Discord missiles was something everyone was so skeptical about for so long. And here at the end of the point cycle, it's like a given in every Separatist list, right? It's always there. You know, the funny thing about Paul flying Separatists that... Uh... Pax was last time I saw him was at Worlds, and I just remember him complaining how much, you know, the he hated Ensnare and uh, all that, and now here he is flying it. It's it's almost like he became what he hated, but it, it makes sense. Like he's teaching us. He's yes. teaching us. <laughs> like, you he's, absolutely, right? he's he's doing the right thing is by flying it because if you're in it to win it, that's what you do. You you bring which you know he spotted it right off the bat, like being like, okay, Ensnare is broken what can I do to actually fly this? And so, I mean, kudos to him on, on making the right call. Didn't and then, he run two ensnares at Worlds? 
Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, he ran the same list that everyone else was running with Grievous. Grievous, right? Back in sure attack, right? Um, And then around the same time, Singapore was just won by uh, by by two snare things, right? X Y and some nonsense. Um, He had. uh, I think it's the same as his world's list. It was Chertek and then the Petronaki Ace and uh, Grievous, and then D and four hundred four. Yeah, four hundred four with the the error. Advanced Potent Torpedoes and Afterburners. 404 is so cool, man. Separatists then, are cool. They got so many cool cards. He, he uh, beat Octor Khan, who, sure. uh, you know, who's won a lot of stuff recently. And Octor was flying a uh, Seer Swarm, and he actually had a bid. And I think it was something like nine points. Nice. Because uh, apparently, I was listening to the last Imperial Propaganda Radio from Australia, and separatists are really starting to come on and like the mirror match is starting to become more and more of an issue and um having being first player being able to block your opponent your opponent's vultures is huge but then like any swarm matchup right that's always true and then you have to think does this i forget who it was um someone he was on tcx a few weeks ago had said he that's why he brought i3s the i3 drones to worlds um i forget his name i know he made the second day and then uh and then it makes you also think of the rational bringing kraken instead of um ta175 because in the mirror match the ta175 is much less useful due to the timing of when you get those calculate tokens yeah totally um I think what's what's cool, right, is there's just like a bunch of cards that people had to figure out since Separatists were released, right? So like Discord Missiles is in that category. People kind of figured out that Kraken was okay. TA-175, like the people who read it realized it was good. Like there, there, there's so much more in this faction that like will get peeled back. And then we're, I, I don't know like how much new content we'll get for it in, next year. Um, but I, I'm really hopeful that like the whole faction doesn't evolve around Ensnare. That it invo- it evolves around like what's there already, and then hopefully the 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 swarm concept that we've been seeing, right? Um, because if it were just to continue to warp around and snare, I think the faction would lose some of its appeal. To be honest, um, it's it's just sort of similar to like if if every list contains that four separatists, I think they would actually lose players. If that makes sense to you guys, um, lose diehard players potentially. But, that makes sense, and I, and. On that note, I think there's a lot of growth with the Separatist faction. I mean, you still have some big key characters that could pop up, like a, yeah. like a Saja or something like that could just randomly pop up. Um, so they do have some kind of growth. Uh, I, I'd be shocked to see if um, they do evolve strictly into Swarms or if they kind of like get some named characters instead of just the typical, sure, the same exact thing that we've been seeing, just random droid names. They could get some names. I guess what I'm saying is that, like, a lot of the faction diehards that are into separatists, right? Like, they 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 probably like if they add some good names to it and get the right mix of like lists like what Paul just won with, they'll kind of hit that sweet spot of like what the theme of the faction ideally should be, right? Um, I you know this is kind of some of my own preference for what I like from the faction, but I just what you what you see players running that are like super enthusiastic about within the faction is usually that higher ship count. Um, so if they start releasing like different kind of I-4 sort of mid and knit aces that can pair with all these vultures, it could get really interesting, right? Like, cause we, st- we still haven't seen any of that from the infiltrator. Yet, like we saw a little bit of Dooku plus six, I think, which was kind of neat. Um, but like, we haven't seen much evolution of that, that archetype of, of an infiltrator and a bunch of vultures, right? 
Yeah. Um, again, maybe we'll see it in the points adjustment. Um, yeah. I think we're kind of like fine-tuning that this is the best way to do it. But maybe in the points adjustment, we'll see that pop up a little bit. My biggest fear, right, is that they would end up reducing the um, infiltrators again, and it just turns into like, <laughs> like Sunfac into infiltrators, the faction. <laughs> um, but but that it seems pretty unlikely, right? Because they already they they hit that double infiltrator list so fast, they didn't let that thing live for for more than like a couple months, right? Yeah, um, that was pretty quick. Um, they, I, I, what they could just do is increase Sunfac and drop the infiltrator, and then yeah, totally. Maybe that's what they'll do. do. That, yeah. Um, so I like that's I think that's everything I wanted to ramble about for the meta because the meta just ended up being trip aces and ensnare. Anything else about our local meta? Like, apparently, a lot of people run rebels. That was I mean I still did a number twenty two rebel lists, and I think the <laughs> next highest one was like in the eighteen low, for republic was it eighteen for republic which we expected that, and then what like the next one might have been like thirteen or fourteen. 15 for Empire. 15, okay. Wow. Tw- the, the Rebels being the highest represented faction blows my mind. Like, I know it's, like, people like Rebels, right? So they, it's always higher numbers, but that's insane. Especially that high. I, I would have never guessed that could happen. Yeah. Um, all right, I mean, Rebels are a cool faction, so whatever. <laughs> I get, apparently all of our locals like Rebels. What? I thought we were the scum faction town. Did, did one um, Rebels make cut? Uh, yeah, the one that knocked me out. Right. <laughs> Damn. Sadly, there was no scum and cut, I think. Ugh. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, could it, well, top 16. You, you were yeah, close. Yeah, yeah, close enough. You, close. you got templates. That's what matters. True. True. <laughs> um, do we want to talk about prize support very briefly? Yo, I think uh, that was... I, we should definitely promote that prize support. I know you might have heard it on some of the Facebook pages, but like... Don't drop. Like, it was so easy to make top 64. I'm sorry if I'm, like, someone, like, tried to make top 64 and went, like, 1 and 5 and didn't. But, like, people that were 2 and 4 were making top 64. Like, and they were getting the boxes that came with, like, the foam insert was super cool. Like, it it was awesome of FFG to um, make that, like, a top 64 prize. And, like, everyone was walking away with something. It, It was a lot of fun um what do you what do you guys think like even though it's very faction resistant i think it's still a huge point like because not only were you getting top 64 prizes top 32 prizes you were still getting those prize tickets for that prize wall um so i mean i was overly pleased with what it was the only gripe that i had was about the 10 ticket generics like i i didn't you know bother with any of them um we'll wait till next year when they have a bunch of leftovers because people aren't gonna you know buy them this year but that, yeah. That's my take on it. Sure, I like you know this this part of this is always funny because like who cares what our opinions are? But I, the ten ticket thing, I agree with. That was I think it was eight last year for for the aces, so that felt bad for the generics. But otherwise, so cool. I didn't know I wanted a shoebox. Like I didn't. I just didn't know that that's what I wanted from top thirty two, X wing, right? But that that like inferno shoebox that you can put your ships in is that's kind of cool. Um, I guess they'll keep doing that. So those are neat. Um, and then the Inferno dials are so badass. And those charge tokens are probably the coolest thing they did at, by far is just the Inferno charge tokens. You can use those for like crack shot or you can use them for just your Inferno charge. It's really, really um, solid kind of 
kind of prize supported, but it's it's the type of thing where like if you're not hyped about Inferno Swarm, like you just probably didn't care, right? Yeah, so I'm I'm not into Inferno Swarm, and I I thought the prize support for the main tournament was great, but the prize wall I was a bit disappointed in. I bought a couple of packs of charge tokens, but I mean I gave away a bunch of tickets because I was just like I I really couldn't care less about buying the the dials and the punch board and whatnot. They had some of the old stuff was which was helpful, but you know if they're going to take kind of faction themes to prize support, it this would probably just become regular occurrence, right? Yeah, the the. Top 32 plastic cards, though, were so nice. Um, those, I yeah. think, my favorite thing in the entire tournament. I think this is the first time that, like, prize support has made me want to go play a video game. Like, I actually now want to, like, finish Battlefront to, like, learn, like, just actually play the game. You know what I mean? The single-player campaign, um, which is totally random, right? But they, they, they need to lean into more of this type of stuff. Like, the Luke, the Luke and Wedge dials from Worlds were so cool. The Plo dial is so cool. Um and that these are really well done. So, I, you know, like I don't know what faction they'll do next, but whatever it is, I'm sure people will be pretty hyped about it. Yeah, I, I mean, I know there were the Nationals events that got a lot of slack for that there wasn't very good uh, prize support. But, I mean, if this is a step in the right direction, then, like, it's going to only get better from here on out. So I, I was very pleased with it. Yeah, totally. Um so uh, do we want to move on from prize support and talk a little bit about faction points for a second and then maybe wrap up? Um, we can make, yeah, let's try to make this brief and then we can uh... probably close out, right? Yeah, yeah. Cool. So um, I, I did just want to like, we'll do more discussion probably next next episode about uh, Tier Howl Swarm because I just want to talk about that. <laughs> but I wanted to start a conversation around like point predictions because now we pretty much have nothing to do but think about how the points are going to change until January. Um, so just uh, if, like high level speculation per faction, a list you think that's the least likely to get touched in January that's solid is sort of the question, right? That's kind of it's kind of the way that I would phrase it. So, for rebels, I I was throwing out John's list: the Luke Lando and one ship. I think is something that'll survive the point change, right, and be better off. Anything else in rebels that you you'd highlight? Um, rebels, I don't get anything. Jonathan, I mean, do you do you uh, think there's a rebel list that'll survive the point change? Like Leia's not I mean, going to go up again, right? I, you know, so even though. Like, I don't see anything <clears throat> in Rebels that I think is going to go up significant. I mean, I guess... <clears throat> so Braylon is really good, and I would pay more than 51 points for him. But, sure. So he could go up. Yep. But um, Wedge... I mean, Wedge is super popular, <clears throat> but if you look at Advanced Targeting Computer, he's only, he's he actually has, like, a, he has the lowest win rate. He has a relatively low win rate. For his popularity, I would have mean. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I follow. Yeah, so, so he, like he gets so played because sure, he's popular. Sure. Yeah, he gets played you. because people want to play him, not because. And he's good, but he's not broken good, if that makes sense. Um, so I don't see any rebel specific things going up. I could see them bringing down the cost of maybe some of the, like the rebel gunners. I don't know if I, I except for Luke Gunner, but like the other gunners that like Ezra and you know, I have no idea like. I guess Biston and people you never see. Um, I could see them bring those down. So maybe the I don't know if the A wing, the Rebel A wing, other than Jake, 
and I guess Arval, it just feels lackluster compared to the resistance A-Wing. Does Jake go uh, up? I could see Jake going up slightly, right? Because if you compare Jake at I-4 to other things like him, nothing is at that cost, right? Like 36 is... I don't want him to go up necessarily, but I could totally see it, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's... I mean, how does he compare to, say, I don't know, to like Tally, who's, what, 35? Yeah, so Tally's 35. Um, Tally's probably still a little cheap, right? Yeah. Um, like, Greer is still... Like, didn't go up at all, so Greer's probably still cheap. My my comparison point is always, is like, if you look at the I-4 TIE fighters, right, compared to Jake, it's kind of like, what the hell's happening? Um so yeah, I, that's that's why I think maybe like just because he was in the world's final list and he's coordinating things, they might they might look at that. Um, but I kind of I agree with you. Like besides Jake and Braylon, what else would they increase? Right? I'm not as interested in what they'll decrease at this stage. We could speculate on that on late on that later. Yeah. But like, what do you think is on the block to increase within Rebels besides those two pieces? Um, I mean, if they increase the cost of regen for um, sure, really for Republic, then Rebels and Resistance would get impacted also. Sure. Um, yeah, that, that makes sense. So regen I don't, might. Yeah. I don't, and then going back to what you'd said about Leia, I remember uh, I was looking up Leia on Pink Brain Matter, and like Rebel Leia shows up about as much as Resistance Leia. I mean, she still shows up, but it's much, much less. Uh, and I don't, I don't see them increasing her more. Yeah, it um, might be a situation where they hit Cassian again just to be sure. They're like they're not sure it's dead, <laughs> so they just hit it again. But you know that that's the only other one I can think of. Yeah, and then Cassian, like so this time, usually I've flown Braylon with Cassian, and um, you know, so flying him without it was a change in sort of play style. But um, no, I think Braylon can function without Cassian. If you totally. the idea is you just sort of slowly glide and you get into that edge of range three and you just slowly move forward towards them right. while, your, while your friends sort of flank around. Yeah. Graham could speak to that, right? Yeah. Totally works for him. Um, all right. Yeah. So that makes sense. So look to Luke, look to uh, the YT Falcons and then maybe gunners go down and one of the other turrets becomes busted. So, do you so. Think there's, there's a chance Luke goes up if they start being concerned about force charges. I, uh, I mean, that's a timeline that I wouldn't hate. But I like so much other stuff would change. I'm so doubtful that they would do that. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. It's just, I mean, he's the yeah, only, like infinite force. That yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like if you look at it, um, if they do take force users seriously, he could. There is a, a a version of January where Luke could go up, but people would be so confused, right? Like they just wouldn't understand why. Um, but if that was like a consistency thing on their part, I wouldn't be too shocked. Um, but it seems it seems pretty unlikely, right? Because it just hasn't been used much. Um, which I, maybe that's what they base things on, right? Is just like the total usage. So, anything else with Re anything else with the rebels, Andrew? You got anything else to throw out there? I don't rebels. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I, I. The only thing I could see as getting really kind of like bumped up in rebels is uh, Jake. Sure. Okay. And like Braylon, maybe another point or two. Oh yeah, yeah. Bray right? uh, Braylon is definitely getting it. Okay. So let's jump to Scum. I think Scum has been underperforming pretty badly, right? Um, but did actually have some successful lists, right? Because it wasn't as bad as everyone thought it was. You still had Torkoal Swarm. You still had kind of Boba Fenn in a massive bid, just kind of dunking on a lot of different things. So I don't know. My, my general take is that Boba and something or two things 
is still going to be the list. <laughs> I don't see much change. Like maybe they're going to open some things up to what we were starting to see from those Torkoal control joust swarms, right? But and 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 uh, Tarani as well. But I have, it's just kind of still the Boba faction, right? Maybe uh, it's going to be interesting to see where this one actually does pan out. Um, I feel like the quad vipers is going to go up. Um, oh God, yeah, that didn't not... show up at all at PAX. Yeah, uh, they're not they're not going to let that sit around. Um, not as, especially with the what's called treatment, like the the phantom treatment. It's basically the same list. Torkoal? That's a weird one though, right? Because like quad vipers, if it's not fortressing, are just not that good. Like yeah. So it's I don't know how they approach that. Maybe they just point cost it so they don't have to deal with it and think about it. I, I could see them going up to like maybe fifty one points a piece, um, maybe fifty, just so they can't take the crack. Okay. Uh, Torkel, I, I can I don't know what to put to with Torkel. I, I think he's a staple in a lot of lists. Like you're just seeing him pop up. It's not just even like Torkel Swarm. Like you're just seeing him like pop up in like random lists. The last time there was a like a swarm support piece in in scum, they 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 took it out back. Yeah. Like like they remember the seven point increase to to what's his name? Dre. Dre like, got increased more than anything in the first cycle. Right. So um, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if Torkel gets that treatment. Right. Like not that he deserves it because it's kind of fun. Right. Um. So I think they're the two things that we're really going to see increased. I, I think they, like I said, they're probably going to leave Boba alone. They'll leave Finn alone. But I could get into a whole list of what they probably will decrease a little bit on top. Yeah, lists. that's that's for another episode, right? Um, like, this is right. just untouched. Like, this is what I think they're the two things up. that we're going to see go up in us. Come. Okay. What do, you, and then, what do you think about cartels? Um, I, I think... Like I, I just think they're going up. I mean, they just drop them. So if they drop them and then put them right back up, uh, it would be interesting to see that. Um, you mean our... the Marauders, the the cartel Marauder? Right. Yeah. Oh man, that would suck. Those yeah. are cool. I, I, I mean, like Torkoal kind of like really kind of carries their, you know, torch. So we'll see. I, I don't think so. And they're still pretty good even without Torkoal, right? Like they're good value. They're um, thirty-eight. You points just don't see them right? without it. Yeah, yeah, they're thirty-eight points, but it's like. You know, it's a, it, they're they're useful. Maybe they'll so. go to thirty nine, so you can't do five of them with uh, Dead Man Switch. <laughs> but, Man, that would be kind of random, though. I think it would feel, be. It'd feel like a kick in the shins, but whatever. Like I said, um, if they're going up. They're going to thirty nine. I don't think they would go back that high. My pick is Slave One, right? Like I think Slave One's oh, going to yeah, go, yeah, yeah. go up to like six points because it needs to. Um, like it, they they need to do something about the Boba and one ship kind of kind of structure and i also genuinely think that they're going to hit uh advanced sensors on guri because it, as much as that like doesn't highly perform it's just constantly out there you know what i mean um i would not be surprised if those two two pieces kind of get addressed which is a slight increase to slave one a slight increase to like i5 advanced sensors maybe i'd be shocked to see if eventually like they um should probably just make advanced sensors like a point scale well yeah and then like you know like precog is 10 points and advanced sensors is 10 points and both of those are pretty much wrong so like they're not maybe like they're just going to go up a little bit is my guess um and that, that's you know my take on that but I, I i do i do think that it would be really cool if they pushed guri away from advanced sensors so that that ship could start being used you know in other lists at a lower cost right as just the interesting ship that it is because um, Guri's really cool, right? Like, 
it kind of sucks that all Gurry is is just the advanced sensor Scurry. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that that gets increased and then same with Slave 1. Yeah, definitely. And I'd be like, Gurry's the only one that you ever see. Like, And, and that's true with like a lot of the different things. Um, but yeah, Gurry has a lot of potential outside of just being that advanced sensors carrier. Yeah. Or, well, and it's it's just different. It's a very different ship. And it's a very kind of, like the bendy roll is still extraordinarily powerful and that ability to take the focus as well. Um, so it's not like Gurry's bad without advanced sensors. It's just very different and needs a different list around it. Um, rather than like kind of the two ship bid list, which I just I don't like Fen Gurry. I know like I know there's like this kind of cult following around Fen Gurry. I've had to play that as the first matchup of both of my kind of last two tournaments. I you know I beat it. I know how to beat it. It's not the end of the world, but it's it's just not very interesting. I don't think like, but that's Gurry should be more than that than just Fen's friend. <laughs> so that's my spiel there. Yeah, I mean, you you could say the same about a lot of the factions. I mean, no, I get it, I get it. It's just it's it's just uh, it's such a cool ship, right? That's that's mostly what I'm complaining about here. So let's move on. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no, no. Um, like I said, I I get what you're saying, but I think at the same time, um, there's that that ship in a lot of the factions. Which that, is like it, it can only do the one thing, right? right? Like it's only built into the one list. It has to have the one upgrade, and that's it, right? And then that's, it's like either Boba or Fen, or you don't run Guri. It's kind of like a lone wolf type ship. Like it's going yeah. to be that ship that does that. It's kind of weird, but I guess it'd be interesting to look at some of the other factions as to what ships are kind of pigeonholed that way, right? Um, maybe maybe another time. All right. What what, what faction do we want to go to next? I think we got resistance, so I don't, I don't know what would go up in resistance. I don't think, like besides the pods and, and maybe the RZ twos a little bit, but that's it, right? Um, I can't. They're not going to increase anything else, like the T seventies, right? And do we think COVID is going to see a little bit of an increase? COVID, yeah. uh, like the transport, yeah. uh, maybe it hasn't really done much, right? I think maybe Finn. Would you raise Finn a bit? I think the pods will definitely go up. Yeah, like the the pods will probably like Finn will probably go up a little bit, um, and then you know Greer and Tally maybe you know, but I I can't see anything else in the faction that, which is sort I, of unfortunate because it's no one found anything. I could see them bumping up the transports enough so you can't do all the ion cannons. <laughs> that one guy who ran that one quad ion cannon transport list. Oh, I, I mean it's it, it's been showing up a little bit it's not doing much but it's you know they're kind of always sensitive to very controly lists fair yeah no it's a weird one um this definitely like i was talking before about how it feels like sun fact we didn't have time to like find the list definitely feels like all of the cards that came in the transport like like there was like four guys who were looking at it and kaylin found that it's the resistance list and that guy found the quad ion transports but you know, I, I think there were a couple others that, that cropped up, but no one really cracked the kind of combo card game that that faction has now, right? I'm sorry, we're talking about resistance still? I just don't doubt. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I guess what I'm saying is that, like, it feels like there's a bunch of undiscovered cards within the resistance card pack that so we just got. My, my take on resistance is kind of like, it's that faction that, like, if everything kind of goes up in points, resistance is going to... 
just boom at one point. Like I'm Ray, I think is still super awesome in the Falcon. Um, it, it's just a matter of when's her time to shine. And I, and like I said, it might be something like if everything starts going up and they stay the same, like it's going to be that same treatment that happened to Rebels, where like that first points adjustment, everyone was like, oh my god, you know, Rebels didn't get hit with anything why does ffg hate rebels and then rebels kind of really came out as like a shining star and i could see the same thing as happening with uh resistance yeah i mean like so Noden right is really really good like there are pieces that came with that wave five um transport that are extraordinary and like were proven to work but then like people just stop playing them so they're not going to get point increases right the only thing that will happen is people just find the better combo eventually um unless they unless ffg takes the approach of like reducing the cost and all the stuff that didn't get played it'll definitely mess us up (laughs) um like 18 point leia right i could see that that going down quite a lot and really changing that faction a lot If, if they ended up well below 18 points for leia crew it changes how you list build for resistance significantly um so that that's that's one to keep an eye on maybe all right, who's next? Empire. Empire. So like, oh man, it's there's too many things to even mention, right? That could go up again. So it's easier with this one just to say that when they're done, you'll probably be able to run soon to your Grand Inquisitor and in something. You know what I mean? Like, and that'll be a good list. <laughs> like, I just I can't make sense of Empire because it feels like they've been a top two faction since the 2.0 was released. So who knows what FFG is going to do to this? You know. Yeah, I could see something like the Inquisitors going up. Um, <laughs> on that note, I feel like Foresight is going to go through the roof. Really? I feel like four points was costed for the uh, what it should have been instead of what it became. Okay. Rules-wise. After the up. rule clarification? Yeah, after the rules cl- clarification. Um, but yeah, I could see the Inquisitors definitely going up a lot. Um, maybe not the Grand Inquisitor, maybe the Grand Inquisitor. I, I'm not sure about that. I, yeah, I think it'll go I up mean, a little bit. What, like, Suture Invader will definitely go up, right? Again. Yeah. Um, I hope they do. <laughs> yeah, so, like, whatever. Then Fifth fifth Brother might go up as well, the nine points, which is so cool because that tells us how much they price Force at. So we'll see what that goes up to. Um, With Jendon? Jendon, yep. Jendon should, should probably get increased. Um, we already mentioned the taps. I, so here's I, a question. There's it, a lot of stuff in there. Go I ahead. mean, we're, we're talking about Vader going up. What if like they don't put Vader up and like we just get stuck with them um, upping Afterburners? I would be so mad because <laughs> Afterburners is such a cool card. It is such that a cool suck. card. But, like, let's say it goes up to like ten points. Yeah, that would be miserable. I like Afterburners did on un- just did nothing wrong. Like, Should it, could you yeah. initiative cost it? I mean, you could that that that'd be way less mad about. That that seems totally reasonable. Um, but I I think the real question is like, why does Vader cost what he does at base, right? Um, same for soon tier. Like, it's not upgrades, right? Like, I I know that Vader with afterburners is so much better, but I don't think you solve by, that by messing with the upgrade. You probably solve that by just hitting Vader directly. But that's also me having a huge bias towards Afterburners because I think that's a really cool card with a, a heavy restriction on how it's used, right? I mean, everyone kind of knows the trick that Vader needs Afterburners. Um, yeah, no, I get it. But like, it's a card that has built-in mechanical constraint, which is you have to do a certain speed to use it. Um, 
so like if you just target afterburners because of vader you're kind of i don't know what you're doing you know sure um but that's also like my bias here is so strong that probably it should go up because it was just used on duchess it's good on things it was actually incredible on whisper <laughs> right like it was afterburners was genuinely good on whisper too which is sort of funny um so initiative scaling would make sense uh anything outside of the that you you could see going up in empire Man. like outside of the norm like obviously we know vader it's soon tier yeah i um i really it's it's just so hard to say with the faction because it's sort of like it just seems so resilient right like there's so many cards in it that um people could just start running redline again <laughs> Like at a certain price point for other stuff. Yeah, so. that was exactly my my first thought when we said this was, if everything goes up, Redline might just make an appearance again, and maybe yeah. probably should. Maybe they'll hit passive sensors. You know, like that that would actually be kind of directly impactful to Empire in general, and hit that for high initiative, like you guys are suggesting for afterburners. Because passive sensors, I think, was enabling a lot with Vader and a lot with with uh, Whisper in particular. So I'm not sure if Whisper needs to go up again or if Passive Sensors needs to just get, get kicked, you know? Yeah, I think it's definitely Passive Sensors, personally. I mean, okay. that's what lets you run Vader at 200 points without being scared, right? Yeah, so it's like literally the exact opposite of what I was just saying about Vader, right? Which is I want Vader's base cost to go up and Burners to be left alone. But in this case, it's sort of like Passive Sensors and Fifth Brother go up and then leave Whisper at 50... Is it 57 base right now? Something like that? Um, I don't know. I feel like no matter what they do, you're still going to be able to run trip aces. Because I'm looking at 178 Vader soon to Grand Inquisitor. So they're not going to... Do you think they'll destroy that entire bid? <laughs> it seems doubtful. Yeah, I'm guess, I'm going to guess it's still below 190. Okay, so there we go. That is your list after point change. Vader soon to Grand Inquisitor, Vader with afterburners, and whatever they let you take. So we'll move on. <laughs> yes. Uh, Republic... <laughs> I mean, whole who everything knows? just goes up. The entire faction goes up. Sorry. Yeah. No, no I, I'm pretty. Sh- I, I think what they're gonna do is they're gonna make it so you cannot run three seven Bs because uh, you could get uh, Obi and two of the I fours in there, or Obi Plo and one of the I fours um, with no regen whatsoever. Or they're gonna make it so you can get Obi and Plo with seven B and one uh, CLT I four in there, but no regen. That's that's my hot take. I will put money on that one. I just feel like that's the change. <laughs> so we're all going to run 7B Annie, OB, and Plo, which is currently 181 points, and that'll be 190 when they're done and still be pretty good, right? Like, CLT is a lot less problematic than 7B. I will say that. Um, but, like, it's not like Jedi need regen to be good. We know that. Zach showed us that. <laughs> you just don't need regen on these things to win games. So the question is, like, if they price the card, regen cards up, but don't address Jedi directly hard enough, does anything change? My guess would be, like, not much. But that's just from experience with non-regen Jedi, right? Like, they're still really good. And then you open up all their cool toys, right? If now I get to take R2A6 and Chopper because I don't need to, to be taking regen then, you know, it's a whole new beast, kind of. Yeah. So, like, we're, we're pretty confident. Like, I, I'm pretty confident that they won't have the guts to price Annie, Obi-Wan, and Plo completely out, right? Meaning that, like, you'll still be able to fit that with CLT on Obi and Plo. 
they, they're not going to price things such that you can't fit those three together. Um, I think that's correct, but they might make it so you can't take one of the so you certainly wouldn't be able to take regen probably with that, whatever they do, the regen. And maybe you can't have one of the, the really fun droids in there too. Well, I, I guess what I'm saying is like that list, Annie OB Plo with 7B on Annie and CLT on the two, arguably could be 200 points, right? Like almost 200 points, which is confusing. Um, but it just depends on how aggressive they are with all of the aces, right? Like you asked if Luke would go up. I think the timeline where Luke goes up is where that list is like, 201 oh definitely <laughs> which who knows like i it doesn't seem possible that they'll do that i mean i i feel like that becomes 193 or 194 personally okay yeah so that's still good yeah. pretty much what about sinker do we think that sinker's gonna go up oh i hope not i hope I, not um I, I can see something like sinker going up and like the torrents kind of say like i don't know like there's a lot of cool upgrades that you just don't see in the um like ever in play because it's like you bring torrents because of sinker but sure i mean yeah i would like to see some of these other upgrades in play and like i'm almost curious if they're gonna like force us down their throat with the like by maybe even dropping torrents a little bit for god knows why but like making it so that you could take these uh upgrades like whatever the heck they're called the um the like one the that you can pass target. Yeah. All that stuff. Like, try to, like, enforce a theme of Jedi and clones. I I mean, I think if you... So, Sinker is 54. I I mean, I don't think... I, I think if you raise the cost of Sinker, no one is bringing four torrents if you're raising the cost of Sinker. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm with you, John. I think yeah. that... I, I think that this is a similar situation to Separatists where, like... If they hit vultures instead of ensnare, that's going to be pretty sad. Where if in if in Republic they hit Jedi and they hit their clones, that that seems like it's just uh, I don't know what like that just seems mean, <laughs> right? Like you can hit torrents, but yeah. And I see the like um, in the other arcs, Wolf is actually Wolf is good, and Jag. Even though I've never seen anyone play him, I think what Jag is totally good to totally reasonable to. Uh, and then oddball, oddball is just awful. So all those named out. ones will come down in cost, right? But yeah. you know, they maybe like so the torrents go up a little bit. Maybe sinker goes up a little bit. Um, a lot of stuff would have to come down in cost around that to kind of end up where you're suggesting it might go, Andrew. Right? I mean, we saw what happened to Drea. It's I know oh, it's God, not the you're exact right, you're same right. boat, but I mean, yeah, yeah. You think they'll give him the Drea treatment? That sucks. I feel like. Yeah. like uh, but like Sinker, it's sort of thematic to the clones, whereas Drea doesn't feel like what they wanted Scum to be. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't want it to just be the quad jumper faction. The quad jumper and Z95. <laughs> but oh, like um, double tap skirks. Whereas uh I think Sinker, I mean I could see them raising the gold squadron trooper if they wanted to break you know, if you raise that just a, a point or two. Yeah. But it raises questions, though. Like, are torrents good without Jedi? Uh, I don't know the answer to that. No, and like, Sinker Swarm right now is bad. Like, it's it, not like no one uses it. It didn't feel right going into packs. That's why I gave up. I put it aside. Yeah, and like bad in quotes. Like, I don't like this is hot take central right now, right? But like, like Sinker Swarm just kind of trailed off because everyone realized they could be running fewer ships and it was better. 
right? Or just run separatists for the swarm. Like, I think that's what happened generally, right? So that just seems like a tricky one because I don't know, like there were so many instances of torrents showing up in cut, but they had Jedi next to them. So was it the torrents fault? I don't think so. But Jedi are good. <laughs> yeah, and torrents are cool. So I don't know. They're just little B wings, right? Yeah, I think like without uh, Sinker or without Jedi. I mean, uh, I know next week we're gonna or later we'll talk about or next week we're gonna talk about like soon tier mini swarm. But I think without um, without Hal Runner as a force multiplier, the Tie Fighters are a lot less threatening. Similarly, without yep. Sinker, those torrents don't really push any damage. They're durable, right? And they occupy yeah. space, but they're 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 not the thing in the list that's winning you the game. The thing yeah. is sense Obi-Wan and or Anakin or whatever it was, right? Um so yeah, I mean hopefully they're conscious of all of this, right? Um I, I think they probably are, but it could be a casualty. So and if it gets the Drea treatment, then you'll never see Sinker again, ever. Like it's just gone, right? I don't know. Anything else with the Republic? Maybe Rick, but Oh right, and once. Those will go up. Huh. <laughs> yeah, Rick or, will go up. Rick. Or uh, how about Chopper? Would Chopper go up? I hope so. I yeah, I don't I know if that's on their radar, but three three point Chopper. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jedi oh, Jedi go up to to whatever points, and then they just decrease all the upgrades they took. Nice free Astromex on uh, on Jedi. <laughs> it's not even funny. This is my timeline. Oh God. Um. All right, well, let's move on from Republic. So First Order, I don't... We talked about it too much, but I think the uh, S, the SFs will still be good. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't see anything getting touched on First Order. Maybe, like... Kyla should go up. Yeah. Kyla should definitely it. go up. And then Biohex should go up. Electronic Baffle probably should go up. Uh, but advanced... That's all I'd have on my list. What about advanced Optics? Advanced optics should I don't. Is see it fine where it's set or does it? Yeah, matter? I think that's fine because you only okay. see advanced optics on like RZ two A's because they're still under costed, and SFs, which like like a thirty two point SF might not actually be the correct cost. Like I, I know that like again, this is like a lot of conjecture, and I don't really understand point costs. But at thirty two points, like people were just putting advanced optics on those sometimes, and it mattered a lot. I don't know if that was optics's problem or SFs. You know what I'm saying? Like the Zetas might have just been too cheap at thirty two. Um, so I, I would hope they don't touch optics because it's such a helpful card for a lot of generics. I mean, the, you also have to think that they know what's happening with Von Reg's tie, so there might be stuff in there that uh, true they know that might like break the game that yeah might adjust that we don't know yet. Which is part of the reason why, like, I'm I'm super curious to see what they do with Kylo because, like, as I've run so much Kylo and I really enjoy that ship. It, it could afford to go up in cost. Like it's 76. It, it could actually go up a couple of points. And like, it's not unreasonable, you know, especially since Von Reg's getting added to the faction. We don't know what that'll fit with. Right. So they, it's weird though. Right. Cause they almost have to know the cost of Von Reg, like what a whole month and a half early when they release the, the points. So you're not going to get it until February. Right. And you know, they're not going to have a points change for Kylo before then. So First order might get nerfed for the first month and a half, I guess, as a, a future von Reg tax, essentially. So you mean like we could do a second point change when von Reg drops? <laughs> well, no, I, I think I wish they would, right? Instead of immediately saying, "Okay, Kylo has to go up now because they're going to get von Reg and that's going to be too good." Instead, what happens? You know, 
Kylo is now 80 or whatever for a month and a half when there is no Von Reg and first. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how any of that works, right? Because it's just sort of weird timing with it arriving in February. Um, but I, I, anything else within First Order that could possibly go up besides Kylo and Biohex? Like people might say Tavson, they'd be. I, I, I wouldn't fight them, but they, they're probably wrong. <laughs> like, yeah, I think, I think they're wrong. I don't think. I don't even think Kylo goes up. Honestly, I, okay. I don't think it's changing at all, if, except for going down. Yeah, okay. I'm on that boat. Fair. Um, I, the reason that I would say they're wrong on Tapson going up is just like it makes cut, but it's it's so bad after the fact. Like they're just like comically terrible. So, like like just for context, right? Like in snare Jedi, look at like a sixty percent win rate after cut. If you look at the win rate for the things with higher numbers on ATC, it's like you know. It, the, the the issue with that is it's there's not so much data that you can really rely on it, but in the extreme you can kind of see what's happening. Tafson makes cut a lot, doesn't win. So because people in cut no don't shoot Tafson. Kind of question mark. I don't know. Yeah, usually. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's pretty much what happens. Uh, separatists we already talked about, so we probably don't have to talk about it here. What? And snares going up? Uh, well. So do you want to hear what I want or what I think will happen? Because what uh, I think will happen is it won't go up that much and we'll still have kind of one to two ensnares being kind of the dominant squad. I I think there is a calling for an ensnare to kind of go up. I'm not sure what the data would look like um, on FFG's side, but I think they might maybe like hear people like you know complaining about it so maybe they get that done it'll be interesting to see where this does come out though okay yeah as long as they don't like aggressively hit vultures i'll be happy right because that's i want vultures to come out of this okay and then you know like basically what you're saying is they might be viewing ensnare as sort of a a trip upsilon problem right I mean, they already even commented on it, so I, I think Andrew's right. I think it's going to go up, not necessarily because the data says it needs to go up, but because the players are so unhappy with its mechanics. Okay, cool. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> um, cool. So I think we, we covered a bunch of ground there, but I, the last three things I wanted to mention was just to reiterate that like, when we get points, the first thing you should look at is trip aces again. If those don't move significantly, nothing's really going to change in the meta. That's like it'll change obviously in the meta, but like that's that to me is what everyone should be monitoring as we get to January. I can see that, Chris. When the points come out, will you do our uh, hidden points? Agree not to look at the points, and then we will read them to you on live. <laughs> what? Get my reactions? No, bro. Chris's not. reactions. <laughs> no, we, we need this. We've been talking about it for months. God, it's it's like it, it must. It'll be so hard to wait three, four hours before you know. Nobody you cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't even know who's listening to this still. So, All right. Yeah. Well, guys, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. Do you guys have any final shout outs? Anything you guys want to say before we close out? Uh, just, yeah, just shout out to everybody who helped run packs. That was super fun. Thanks for making that happen. And everyone at Liberty Squadron who was there, as always, these team events, like when we're all there, just is so much fun. I love seeing everyone. And a shout out to all our listeners. It's actually really great to have people come up and tell us that they enjoy the show. It's uh, great to hear that. 
it is, I had so many people come up at PAX, and it, it really did make my day. Like, one guy was even like, I recognize your voice from the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for all your support that we've been getting from you guys. Like I said, it was great, you know, seeing people come out to us at PAX and, you know, talk about the show and everything like that. Other than that, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. So one last time, thanks for listening and have a great night.